0: TYT's a conversation. It is your host, Adrian Lawrence. And today I am joined by the Executive Director of the Alliance for Youth Action. That's Dakota Hall. Thanks for joining us, Dakota.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me on tonight.
0: Yes, I'm very happy you are here, particularly given the significance of this week. I know that April 4th through 8th is the Alliance for Youth Action's Dream Not Debt Week. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, um, this week, we are reminding President Joe Biden that it was young people who got him elected. And it was young people who put him in with the demand to cancel student loan debt. And over a year after his presidency, we're still waiting on action. And so with the lift of his pen and signing an executive order, he can eliminate over about $1.8 trillion in student loan debt, making sure that young people and not just only young people, but older folks as well too. With almost millions of folks over the age of 50 with student loan debt, this is an issue that impacts everybody across the board.
0: Yes, and there are so many people out there who are impacted by student loan debt. And having a week like this, where we're focusing on dreams and not debt, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's so incredibly important as you all and your organization focuses on helping people build a better future where they have financial freedom. And you know. It seems that Joe Biden has given us a little bit more freedom as of yesterday, where he announced that he is going to halt the federal student loan repayment deadline extending it from May to August 31st. I'd love for you to share with us why this just isn't good enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, this this is not the first time that it's been extended, right? We're we're on a few extensions now. Um, and we know if we can keep extending it, we're essentially canceling it. And but instead, Joe Biden um and his administration is not giving uh the communities that need it the relief necessary um and 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 formalizing canceling it. Um kicking, kicking it down the road is causing many people's anxiety about when these payments will be restarting and, and what they need to do to plan the, for their financial future, especially in a moment in which the pandemic is still hurting the economy and now we're facing hyperinflation where the price of gas in some communities is six or seven dollars. That is unacceptable and President Joe Biden needs to not just extend the uh, the forbearance payments but really cancel student loan debt and ensure that young people and communities across this country have the economic mobility necessary to move up.
0: Yeah, because kicking that extension down the road now to August 31st, it just isn't really great for anybody, particularly those who are hoping to get more Dems and young people out to the polls for the midterms. We know that it's set for Tuesday, November 8th. And so what do you think is gonna happen between this time, between August 31st and November 8th? Because if Biden doesn't try to do this extension thing again, It would seem that it would hurt any chances of getting the Dems to hopefully really be the winners and take the midterm if that's even possible.
1: Yeah, I think I think failure to really hold up his promise around canceling student loan debt will send a clear and loud message to young people that their priorities are not being heard, Um, and so young people are going to go out to the polls and ensure that they are being held, um, that elected officials are being held accountable, Um, and not just you know vote on party lines. They're voting for people who value their issues, who value their communities, and are going to hold up their promises. So without the economic relief that Joe Biden promised by canceling student loan debt. Young people are going to not only turn out at high rates to say that they are not happy, but Dems will be in trouble across the nation.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, There are a lot of us who still have student loans and I myself included. And the thought is that that there is this dream that you are pursuing when it comes to higher education, but it turns out simply to be a nightmare when it comes to the financial load that you have to bear. In addition to the fact that the job market and wages have not necessarily improved. And so to get those opportunities to repay the debt seems to be also a nightmare in its own. And I think a lot of people don't fully appreciate that federal student debt has grown what seven times over from 170 million, 187 million to 1.4 trillion and that's between 1995 to 2017. So it just seems like there are a lot of unfulfilled promises when it comes to this American dream, particularly with education, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, at, at an early age you're, you're, you're taught if you work hard, you go to college you'll, you'll be set up for the American dream, right? You'll be able to have a good middle class job that is providing you with the resources necessary to go buy a home, buy a car start a family, et cetera, right? Um, but the reality is, is that we have massive barriers to education. And a lot of that begins with the cost, right? And who is at the forefront of these barriers? Are communities of color, right? When we think about disproportionately impacted communities, it is usually black and brown communities who are the ones who are getting uh, preyed upon by predatory lending companies um, for private uh, college and higher education institutions. As well as they are the ones who are usually straddled with more public debt because the resources are not there in order for them to graduate the same rate as their white counterparts and peers inside these institutions. And so when we think about the debt and we think about the American dream, it is, it is again a facade for often communities of color to achieve that even through the higher education route. Because there are disadvantages in education that leave black and brown communities and black and brown young people with higher levels of debt and the inability to pay them because their wages are lower compared to their white male counterparts in every single level
0: yeah it definitely seems to be that black and brown people are held back in the system from the beginning all the way through at every step of the process whether it's saddled with more debt also the fact that we don't have the generational wealth because the system was not structured to support us if anything to hold us back and prevent us from having things like property ownership also um you know the tax situation evaluation everything that has come down the pike has held people back and So I know the NAACP had issued a statement earlier today acknowledging that the student loan issue is really one of racial justice and some sense of reckoning. Do you think that Joe Biden appreciates this?
1: I'm not sure President Biden appreciates that. I, I, I'm, I haven't heard that come out of his mouth yet, so I, I would encourage him to speak on the issues and understand it in an intersectional lens that really highlights the fact that he understands that the student don't, student student loan debt crisis is something that impacts communities of color and also has a gender analysis there as well too. Which women and gender nonconforming individuals come out with higher debt as well too. We have not heard that come out of President Joe Biden's mouth in a meaningful way that he's going to take action and understands that. His historical barriers, right? Like as you just mentioned, when you think about generational wealth, one of the greatest ways to create generational wealth for a lot of folks was like buying a home and passing that down, right? But we know that communities of color face redlining, right? And they're facing a new type of redlining when it comes to the access to higher education and, and having that amount of debt.
0: Yep, and also it's just something too when you enter the labor force and you know that you're less likely to get a job or you're less likely to be paid fair wages. and so. It just seems that, again, all these hurdles are built within the system and that Joe Biden has an opportunity right now to make that historic and life-changing decision for so many people out there, and remove some of this debt. And when I say some of it, we know that the White House released a statement very recently saying the President supports Congress providing $10,000 in debt relief. And he continues to look into what debt relief actions can be taken administratively. While $10,000 sounds good, I would say that that ain't enough.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you $10,000 is a down payment, right? Like that is the first installment payment of many other $10,000 payments that Joe Biden owes young people for putting him into the White House. Young people came out at a historic rate of 50% to help elect President Joe Biden with the mandate for student loan debt relief. We did not vote for $10,000 in relief, we voted for eliminating and canceling student loan debt and also setting up future generations to achieve the college dream without debt. That is what we voted for, that's what we're planning on holding President Joe Biden accountable for until he gives us what we voted for. And $10,000 while we'll be welcomed is not enough, that is the first step and many steps of that is his plan of action.
0: Absolutely, it's not enough and we deserve more, we need more and as far as I'm concerned we're entitled to it. And so if there are individuals who wanna get involved and wanna find out more about Alliance for Youth Actions, Dreams Not Debt Week, what, do, what, do they, what can they do? What
1: is there? Yes. yes, please go to our website or follow us on social media, the Alliance for Youth Action. Um, on our website, there is a tab there that says dreams not debt. Um, join the campaign, share your story about what, what it would mean for you to eliminate student loan debt and what that future and what you want to achieve if you didn't have um, that debt, right? And really show us those dreams. So that way you can have a national amplified voice about what it means to eliminate student loan debt. For that way the White House and the administration can no longer ignore the, the promises that they've made and that we can keep holding them accountable day by day, even beyond this week.
0: Yes, I definitely think that this is something that needs to be done. And I know there's so many of us across the United States who also agree as well. Can you tell me, is there any support for this when it comes to Congress?
1: I think overall, Congress hears our voices, but they they need to they need to go further right like there there is definitely support within the House of Representatives but we, we have always stalled with the Senate and and the slim majority there right um, but I know across uh, both political parties young people are in favor of this issue of eliminating student loan debt um, it is not a a, a partisan one sided issue it is a bipartisan issue for young people to tackle this issue and I think the more that they understand their power and the more they come out at high voter rates in midterm and general elections Congress can no longer ignore this, right And they will be able to put forth powerful bills in both the House and Senate that will that will be passed and the president must sign them.
0: Yes, that is something that we definitely would like to see done and I would like to think that it is a bipartisan issue. but it's just so interesting to me how our government doesn't seem to see that. And the thought that they should allow that these educators continue to capitalize on us, to leverage Mm -hmm. us. And especially with this false sense of hope that this getting our education is gonna lead to a better life. It's a very upsetting thing, as well as it's just disappointing but a lot of our government is, and hopefully Mm -hmm. those things will change Mm -hmm. and turn around. So for all of those out there who are viewers and watching and are interested in getting involved with Alliance for Youth Action's dreams, not debt week, which is this week, or just to follow more about what Alliance for Youth Action, what it does. Where should they find you on social media?
1: Yeah, at the Alliance for Youth Action on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and then our website Um, And join the campaign, join one of the many organizations within our network. We have 20 across the country. We are ready to take action and we are ready to be the political home for young people across the country.
0: Yes, thank you so, so much for all the work that you do and also for leading this movement as we need change. That's Dakota Hall, Executive Director of the Alliance for Youth Action. Thank you again for joining us Dakota.
1: Thank
0: you, thank you. Welcome back to the conversation. It is Adrienne Lawrence and I just want to give you a warning before we continue with this that we are going to be talking about issues concerning suicide. So just giving a trigger warning there in the event that this is a sensitive subject for you. And right now I have joining me an activist for single payer universal health care. That's Scott DeNoyer. Thanks for joining us Scott. Thank you,
2: thank you for having me on. This is a subject that's very close and personal to me. So I can't thank you enough and thank you. Yes.
0: Yeah, so as I understand, you lost your son Danny by suicide in 2019. Over a mispayment of $20, can you talk to us about that?
2: Yeah, um, what happened was, is Danny had um, a couple of problems going on and he'd come to move in with me back in February 2019. A few weeks after he moved in with me, he came home and he's like pops, I want to get my medicine refilled today and found out my insurance has been canceled. I was like, okay, Danny, not a big deal, how much is it? And he told us it was $250, which is a big deal because we didn't have $250 in, we don't have it today. You know, And um, I was like, okay, Danny, well, you have an appointment with your therapist in a couple of weeks and I'm sure she can help you out. In the meantime, you need to get a hold of Fidelis care and find out what's going on. Well, he didn't call right away, which was probably his lethal mistake. He called like April 1st or April 2nd. And when he did, that's when he found out he missed his $20 premium to his ACA's managed Medicaid plan. Um, yeah, Medicaid, so he pulled out his twenty his wallet and he paid the $20 on the phone. The medication he was on was Risperidone and they told him that his plan would be reinstated on the next billing cycle of May 1st. He'd already been without his medication at this point for two weeks. On April 9th of 2019, I see a suicide post on Facebook just 23 seconds after he posted it. And he says, I just want everyone to know that I love them. I'm saying goodbye. This world wasn't meant for me. Maybe the next life will be better. I super glued my seatbelt, double checked. I don't have the strength to open it. And I choose death by drowning because I can't get above this pain. I'm sorry for hurting those who care. This is selfish, I'm sure. But I've been staring at the water for hours now and I've made my decision. Daniel and Hazel, his children, I'm so sorry. He drove his truck into the Mohawk River, over a late $20 payment to his Medicaid plan. And I see Joe Biden this morning tweeting out healthcare as a human right, as he sells us contracts like this, that will deny us healthcare when we need it the most for money. It right.
0: No, it's not. That's not right, and I know Medicaid, the Medicaid insurance provider Fidelis Care, did they say anything in the aftermath?
2: Actually, yeah, now this had produced a video for us. And as well as um, Status Crew had reached out to, to as well as Times Union and every single one of their responses was as to how important it is that we make our premiums, that they work extremely hard with patients who have a hard time making their premiums. In other words, give us your money. That's their only response three times now. Wow, that's, now, go ahead. I, I might add that the founder and the previous CEO of Fidelis Care is a father. Patrick Crowley, an ordained priest of the Brooklyn Catholic diocese. Now, the Catholic Church used to have a teaching called the unforgivable sin. Where if someone takes their own life, they're condemned to purgatory for eternity and can never get into the gates of heaven. Father Patrick Farahoui's church taught that. And he denies mental health patients every single day. Medications with known risks of suicide because they don't make their premiums. Because they don't pay him money, a priest. If the hypocrisy can't be more disgusting than this, I mean, I don't know how more we can express how broken this healthcare system is when one out of three COVID deaths could have been avoided with the single payer healthcare system. And instead of doing that, they sell us more contracts. They want us to cover COBRA payments which isn't a better contract. It's just a more expensive one. So that's what we do. We get the insurance companies that are denying us health care more money. The services that were offered were far less during COVID. But you had to pay for COBRA because you lost your job for this worst contract. So we give money from the government gives them more to cover more. Wow, what more do we need to do to explain how broken this health care system is when our children are at risk of dying over $20? This is why we
0: need Medicare
2: for all. It is 100% why we need Medicare for all. When we pay twice as much as the next nationalized country for our health care, and die 10 years sooner, we have a 10 year shorter life expectancy than the next country for twice the cost. Again, the numbers are there, it's insane. And um, I, I don't know if you had heard, but um, I do have an event coming on April 9th of this year, it'll be three years after we lost Danny, where I am going in front of Fidelis Care. with um, I. I'm hoping for at least 100 people, and there's also right now seven solidarity events coordinating with me across the country. Um, Because of the church's stance on the unforgivable sin, that is the title of this event. It's the unforgivable sin of legalized manslaughter for profit. And what we're doing is we are going outside of Fidelis Care, and we're demanding that Father Patrick Frawley step down as. Now, VP of Centene. Oh, I forgot to mention, finally sold Fidelis Care to Centene in 2018 with the expansion of the managed Medicaid program for $3.8 billion, retaining at that point the salary of $4.9 million a year for denying Medicaid patients the health care that they need to live. But now, After the sale, he was promoted to VP of Centene and get this title, Social Responsibilities of Centene. Ryan Knight said it best when he said Jesus Christ, I'm like, that's right, Ryan. They're selling the poorest people on Medicaid, Jesus Christ instead of healthcare. Pretending that what they're going to offer is something that is protected by God. So our demand is that Father Froe stepped down from this luxurious position of VP of Centene with now $5.9 million a year salary and join us in our fight for single payer universal health care. Just like did Wendell Potter, the CEO former executive from Cigna, who stepped down after he saw the life of a 17 year old little girl get snuffed out because they wouldn't accept her claim for her payment, which was within or contract rights. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this event
0: um, that you're having in front of Fidelis Care, what city will that be in?
2: That will be in Amherst, New York at 480 Cross Point Parkway. Um, not only are we demanding that Father Farrell step down and join us, but I'm demanding that he advocate to have Medicare for all, replace his employer, Cigna or Centene, and that he also advocate until that point can be reached. That we fight to get the New York Health Act to replace his founding corporation Fidelis Care. Or Father Ferali can admit that no man of God would ever, ever benefit from denying the poorest among us on Medicaid and watching them struggle and die and renounce his title of priest.
0: And have you had any support from anyone in government at all, whether at the state level or the federal level in terms of your push?
2: At the state level, um, there are plenty of uh, uh, representatives, uh, senators, and um, assemblymen that support the New York Health Act that have supported my action. On the federal level, um, there was, during the beginning, you know, there was a lot of people talking about it. Bernie Sanders had amplified my son's story as well as did um, Representative Joe Powell and Ellen Omar. Um, The one that actually surprised us was Kamala Harris, then senator. The only problem with that was Kamala Harris used Danny's story as a commercial for the ones who murdered him. Three weeks after sharing his story, and I might add, she used a parody that Americans are drowning and dead. Oh My God. And then if you remember right, On that debate stage three weeks later, the Medicare for all plan that she released was for corporations like Centene to sell us Medicare, Medicare for all those who want it, right? Or something like that. So where would Danny be if he missed his $20 premium to Kamala Harris's bill? It was straight up a chance to use Danny's story to promote his murderers, which is why I believe the state level push at this point is more important than ever. Because as I said, I don't believe we have a valid path forward with the amount of energy we have at the national level, because we're not going to get uh, Speaker Pelosi to call for a vote. And if she did, Joe Biden had already promised that if it hits his desk, he's going to veto it. And with you know people like Kamala Harris and his administration doing the thing that she did with Danny Story, we know where this administration stands on this. They're selling us contracts that deny us healthcare when we need it the most for profits. They are. They're selling our children's lives, they're selling our, our lives.
0: And so for the people who want to support you and want to be there in Amherst, can you please tell us again uh, the date and the location and the time on when you are going to confront Fidelis Care?
2: It will be April 9th, which again is the third anniversary of Danny's death at 480 Cross Point Parkway in Amherst, New York at 2 PM. Um, I have an action network link. If you go to action network organization and type in the unforgivable sin, you can find it that way. I also have a very small fundraiser to uh, try to get the speakers, uh, gas fare and hotels. If you can go to GoFundMe and also the unforgivable sin, I will stop it when I reach what I need. So anybody that can help, we truly appreciate it. Again, also seven solidarity events, Tacoma, Washington, uh, Sacramento, California, Fayetteville, Arkansas. New York City has a DSA um, bike rally going on in support of the New York Health Act. Um, Albany, New York has one. There is a candlelight vigil also going on in Florida. And I'm pretty sure I hit them all. all right, for well, everybody that's been helping. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so, so much. And I am so incredibly sorry for your loss, but it's a loss for us all, most certainly, especially if we don't fight for medical for all. So thank you so much for all of your work. Once again, this is Scott DeNoise, uh, activist for single payer universal healthcare. Thank you so much, Scott.
2: Thank you, bye bye.